Hello and welcome to the GemCast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 4. Today I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In episode 4, Frame Up, Ashley's odd behavior is finally brought to Jerrica's attention. She doesn't have time to deal with her, though, since she's just signed a contract for Gem and the Holograms to headline a show at a Las Vegas casino. The Misfits are not happy when they learn that they are opening for their arch-rivals, but Pizzazz comes up with a plan to steal the spotlight, a plan which puts Ashley on the spot. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime Synergy! The episode starts where the last one ended, the cliffhanger of the of um, Lindsay's studio being destroyed and um, Rio swooping in to rescue Jim from falling stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. And she's knocked out yes. and comes to it after a little while. In the dressing room. Right. She's like miss. She's like delusional almost. She's like. <laughs> she's like the misfits. Yeah, about the misfits, yeah. And she's like the misfits. <laughs> stop! No. Oh, Rio. <laughs> and this is the point where Rio finally just gives in because, you know, like Jem has been on him. And Jerk is like, no, Rio. We all need you. And Rio's like, fine. Yeah. He's a softie. Sure. Yeah. Ugh. Rio. And Ashley's uh, Ashley's not doing too well. Uh, she's secretly still kind of, I guess, working for the Misfits. And uh, she's in her bedroom in the next scene. And uh, you see that she's got one of the Misfits band t-shirts. And as Jerrica knocks on the door, she hides the shirt under the pillow. And it seems like Jerrica kind of wants to have a little heart-to-heart with her. But because she gets interrupted um, by the um, concert promoter that suddenly shows up at the house, she says, you know, we're going to have to pick up this conversation later. And Ashley defiantly uh, says, you can talk to the wall, Jerrica. (laughs) (laughs) I love Ashley's like super defiant yeah. like super stereotypically defiant teenager attitude like mm-hmm. mm, yeah. talk to the wall well it's funny because but, she's when she's talking to herself about the misfits she's totally fine but then when the thought changes to Jerrica or anything related to Gem and the Hologram she gets really angry so she's she's still pretty bitter I guess yeah, yeah. well you know they're those kids are now being neglected because every right. time <laughs> mom good job episode four and children are being neglected right they just they run off because you know jerk is too busy being gem and meeting with concert promoters to be a mom to her 17 foster children <laughs> oh jerica i actually thought during that moment like you know the con i know the cons concert promoter has just kind of showed up but i mean can he not wait five minutes or you know just kind of saying oh i've got something more important to do i mean she doesn't yeah, quite yeah. say that but it, that's pretty much effectively what she's what she's telling her no, that you're not important enough wait. um you right. know i've got i've got something i got to attend to priorities but jerica has to learn priorities that's really right. what it is and she doesn't True. it takes a while but it, it's it's hard to strike the balance too, because like a kid, when when they're that young, they're not necessarily going to understand the specific reasons why you do certain things too, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, she's supposed to be thirteen. That's true. Yeah, I guess thirteen's I mean, old. I mean, I remember being thirteen. I think I was old enough back then to kind of figure out what adults were were thinking and why they did certain things. It'd be different, I think, if she was like maybe seven or eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like 13 is is when you're kind of I think becoming like actually really aware that other people do exist for a purpose other than right. to like serve you or you know like oh other people actually have feelings and lives and you know um I I think it's just something that our yeah. brains are incapable of being aware of until we're 
you know, early, early teens. And then that kind of evolves over many years. And some people actually never grow into it. (laughs) It starts about then. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's, she's kind of like at the, what, preteen years. So, I mean, in a year she'll be going to junior high, I think. High school. High school. Okay. It was junior high. When I was 14, it was called Mm -hmm. junior high. Mm. Yeah. uh, Okay. Well, it depends upon where you are. And I forget the difference, but like junior high and middle school are different because one of them has ninth grade in it and one of them doesn't. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, so effectively she's old enough to understand. Yeah. But uh, But she's a rebel. (laughs) She's a rebel. And that doesn't really excuse Jerrica's behavior lately. She has kind of been neglectful. Yeah. yeah, this is a theme. This mm-hmm. is a theme that's going to run throughout. Is yeah. Jerrica neglecting stuff and c- consistently never having enough money, or just just barely enough? Kind of. It always. I always get the impression that they're just kind of barely getting by to pay um, their their bills. Which, Which I'm is mad- bizarre, right? Yeah, it is bizarre. It's got to be expensive, really though. It's got to be expensive to run a big house. I mean, it's it's a mansion, right? So. Well, yeah, but I mean, like sold out concerts. Yeah, but like um, how many, I'm, I, they never really address this, but like how many concerts are they really doing? Like I get the impression that they're, true. they're supposed to be one of the most popular pop rock bands in America. They, they pretty clearly say that in later episodes. So I don't, like, I don't understand how many, how many shows are they doing? Like where, what are their, what's their overhead? It, it is not always clear, but every now and then they do address it because basically they'll say, oh, we're running out of money. Like it, at the beginning of season three, like casting forward a little bit, the beginning of season three, one of the whole reasons why Jerrica like goes out to the club and she sees the stingers is because some like the accounting lady literally says Starlight Music is not making enough money because we only have one act. And that act is jumping the holograms. That's so bizarre. Yeah, that, that's that's completely unrealistic. Yeah, but they don't have any employees either. I mean, like they've got this building <laughs> right. where nobody comes. To it's like work, big empty so. bill. What the yeah. hell? Yeah. I don't know why I'm trying to rationalize this to myself because this whole show is <laughs> this whole show is one big acid trip. <laughs> well, because they, you know they do bring it up. It does come up. Like the whole reason why Jerrica goes to Starlight Music in the beginning of the show is because she's like, "Oh, I need money to run Starlight House," and this occurs again and again where they're like, "Oh, we need money for this, so we have to go do a concert." And then they go do these concerts, but these concerts seem to consist of them playing one song and then leaving right. the stage forever. And people pay money for that. So I, the eighties, hey, right. Speaking of. Um, speaking of songs, um, so this concert promoter who happens to be Derek Hayes, which I, I found his character incredibly hilarious just because of his like accent. I don't know what that accent's supposed to, is that like a, like a, like a stereotypical Texan accent or something? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's an over the top Texas accent. It's exaggerated, totally exaggerated. And, uh, the cowboy hat. Oh, the cowboy hat. So (laughs) funny. And we're, there, there are more cowboy hats in this episode, which we'll, we will get to in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I found this, I found this episode overall pretty humorous. Um, so anyway, so, so this Derek Hayes, uh, guy says to the holograms that, um, he wants to have this concert in, um, in Las Vegas. And there, there is a concert prize of, I don't know how, if, I don't remember them disclosing how much money it is, but anyways, I, I assume it's a decent amount of money. Uh, but he basically tells them, uh, that, you know, your, uh, your opposition is going to be the misfits. And of course the holograms are not too happy about that because of the ongoing rivalry between the two bands. And when they ask him why he's like, because honey, I love to see sparks fly. <laughs> that was perfect. And why does he pronounce the holograms holograms? Who does that? No, I don't Fake know. Texas guys. In Texas, that's how they. I, and I'm pretty sure he's not the only one who's mispronounced that name. I, I know I've heard other characters, maybe not in the in the first three episodes, but I swear I've heard other characters say that holograms. I thought Lindsay also. 
said holograms as well. I don't know. It's such a weird pronunciation. Well, this was the time before Star Trek The Next Generation popularized holograms. Right. So maybe... Maybe because it's just like er early terminology mistake. Like, the people didn't really know the tech really well, so it's like... I don't know. Like gigawatts? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say, like, maybe it was some, something like that. I mean, the whole the whole thing with gigawatts and Back to the Future was that they actually misspelled gigawatts in the script, and they just kept that in because they they misspelled it. But, but of course, Christopher Lloyd, I guess, didn't question it. He's like, okay, it's written as gigawatts. I'm just going to say gigawatts. It sounds funny. <laughs> but, uh, oh, the 80s. yeah, I'm not going to – I guess I can't really give that too much thought. That's just going to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> so then yes I, I do love our texan because yeah. you know he loves to see sparks fly oh yeah yeah he says that more than once i think in this episode it's like his catchphrase <laughs> and uh you know in previous episodes we saw how ashley um kind of wanted to join the misfits and started doing not so nice things uh, for the misfits and once again the misfits managed to coerce ashley into helping them sabotage the holograms plans to do the concert um and the plan is uh to somehow lure aja into the storage compartment of a charter bus which we'll come back to in a few moments but after discussing those plans um uh, we see um, we see Shayna and Jem kind of having a heart to heart, and Jem's kind of telling Shayna about the conundrum she's in between Jerica and Jem and Rio. This kind of bizarre love triangle between you know effectively the same person, but of course Rio doesn't realize that Jem and Jerica are the same person. And uh, Rio is just stupid. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I'm so relieved you actually <laughs> just came out and said it after four episodes. We finally say Rio is dumb. Well, just, I mean, is Lois Lane stupid? <laughs> is, yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is supposed to be someone that, with whom you are like fairly intimately familiar. Yeah, right? well, like, at least Superman slash Clark Kent doesn't have fake holographic hair. True. Like, yes. how would you not yes. realize like you're grabbing something, your hand goes right through it? It's <laughs> <laughs> true. That is true. His, but it, you know, it, Rio probably tried to stroke that hair a couple times, and yeah. he'd be like, "Wait." <laughs> right, right. See, the, the the only way I can explain it um, that would make sense is that the holographic hair isn't physically changing the size of the hair. It's her real hair, but there, it's just making her hair pink. I mean, obviously the hairstyle is slightly different and stuff like that. But if he were to touch the hair, it would still be touching her real hair, I would think. Except that it looks... But her hair isn't that full. That's true. And that's true. I guess you can't explain... Yeah, because because her hair's kind of, like, teased and, and it's, like, slightly bigger. It looks like it's being blow-dried, blow at least. So, like, how... Yeah, that, I guess that wouldn't explain that. It's also much longer as... Right. And, and I think there are moments when Jerrica's hair is tied up and then suddenly... You know, Showtime synergy and then her... She's got the big gem hair. So, you can't really explain that. It's one of those m mysteries right. that is never fully explained that you contemplate like a Zen cone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The great mystery of Jem's hair and how Rio never noticed that it was a hologram. Right. Well, we're we're kind of digressing a little bit. So in this heart-to-heart -heart <laughs> conversation between Shayna and Jem, um, you know, Shayna's basically, you know, like, I guess you're worried about you know, his, how he's going to react, um, because it could be unpredictable. Like, how is he going to feel when you tell him that all this time you've been lying to him about who you really are? Um, and of course she's not too happy about that. And it cuts to the first musical interlude of this video, which is called deception. Now, overall, I, I feel that the music videos or at least the songs in this episode are a bit weaker than previous episodes we've seen, um, especially this first song um, called
called Deception. I'm not really a big fan of it. Um, I just feel it's kind of forgettable. I think the excessive delay on Jem's voice is just kind of really silly. Um, it's just it's a little overproduced. What what do the two of you think about it? It's mm. I'm... <laughs> deception, Jepson, Jepson. <laughs> I remember uh, liking the actual video, but it's possibly because I really love her outfit in this video. Right, the song I could take, and, and I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the first this video is one of those again going into the more kind of psychedelic realm, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's got like Jim and Jerrica different right. outfits, like splitting off mm-hmm. and then coming back to merge into the same person, which is, I believe, always Jem. Yeah. There's never the Jerica persona yeah. when so, they merge again, which is interesting. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a great point. Uh, maybe we can expand on that a little bit. So, do you think that Jem is really Jerica's like true persona, or do you think that's just like I know it it kind of it kind of seems like it starts out like that's who she wants to be, but I feel like the direction it's going is that that like she really becomes that that character or that that persona like it seems plausible like over time she's gaining confidence right as she becomes you know a serious performer yeah i would say that go ahead no go ahead tempest well i would say that you know obviously gem represents the the sort of free form aspects of Jerrica's personality that she's not always allowed to express. Right. Um, because she has to be the serious responsible one. But I think it also has just a lot to do with like just her frustrated desires of what her life was going to be like, like, you know, did she really think that her life was going to be fixing terrible plumbing in an old crumbling house that her father like couldn't be bothered to keep up himself for reasons. Right. Um, And so then, you know, instead she becomes gem and then there's like a glamorous life and there's countesses next door who are flying her to Paris. Um, But I, I feel like one of the reasons why when they come together, it's always gem is because gem is clearly the more interesting one, the, the person that you might fantasize yourself to be. I don't know that there are too many little girls who are like, I wish I could be an overworked record executive when I grow up. Mm-hmm. With foster children. With a dead father? Yeah. <laughs> With a dead father. And also, Jem's outfit is just more interesting. I can't remember if that outfit was ever one of the ones that was actually on the dolls. Uh, is it, but I remember... Are you talking about the pink one that she normally wears? It looks... I don't even know if tunic is the right word for that, but it looks kind of... <laughs> Like a tunic. tunic. There's, um, it's the orange and green dress, right? The orange and green one where like Jem and Jerrica basically have like a sort of similar outfit. Um, because it has like, it's, you know, the orange and green, but Mm -hmm. like they're, they're shaped differently. I don't Um, know. I'm not an expert on that. I never had the dolls. I I never had the dolls. Okay. Oh, that's, that's sad. Well, I only had one. My sister, my sister had one. But, um, I remember thinking that, like clearly they designed that outfit for the dolls. And I can't remember if that actually was not for the dolls, but because, you know, in the gem version, it's kind of like sexy, but in the Jerrica version, not only is she more covered up, her hair is mostly covered up. And I was like, mm-hmm. they did that because that's how you transition with the doll. You have to always like do something and hide the hair in some kind of way. And it never worked out ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. I have this vague memory of the toys having um, like standalone outfits that you could buy as an, like an accessory thing for the dolls. Do either of you remember that at all? I could I be wrong so, yeah. about that, but I, I could have sworn that was part of it. So it's, I mean, they had, I know they had a lot of interchangeable outfits, so it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting, like the elements that come out that you can tell are like, and now this is because we have a toy for this. Like that, like the rock and roadster that has the gem on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly a toy. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, because we really need to have her name on the car. Like, everybody knows that. I mean, that that car doesn't exactly blend in. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, maybe they should have added some LEDs or something to the car. <laughs> Actually, if, if they rebooted the show, they could just stick, like, white LEDs at the bottom and totally make, just totally pimp it out. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so after the video, anyways, um, we're back at the casino here in Vegas, which this, this transition to suddenly we're in Vegas felt really quick to me. It's like within the first 10 minutes, it's really quick anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, so, uh, Aja is at the casino and Ashley lures Aja into the storage compartment of a chartered bus, uh, which... Which the misfits promptly lock. Go ahead. Can, you- can we just can we just talk about how the misfits like brought Ashley to Las Vegas with them from like right. whatever city they're from, mm-hmm. and it's like no big deal. And I'm yeah. like, where's Ashley? It's like I guess they have a private you know, jet like, or. No- yeah, I don't know, but no wonder this kid is so upset. Like, yeah. nobody's paying any attention to yeah. her at all, ever. I, I don't blame her. I mean, she was clearly excited about going on this trip to Vegas. So, you know, it, obviously they're mistreating Ashley and that they're, like, coercing her to do things that she's... I'm not sure she really understands the consequences of the actions that she's about to engage in. But, uh, but she's clearly having a better time than being at Starlight House. Yeah, true. So, so well, I should get. Again, yeah, go ahead. The misfits have committed a felony. Yeah, by transporting this child across state lines. Right. That is not their child. Right. Exactly. That's right. Actually, that didn't even occur to me at the time, but you're right. Um. So Aja's locked in the storage compartment, and the bus takes off, uh, going in the opposite direction that she needs to be going in, and uh, so she starts. She starts, you know, kicking and punching and screaming and a couple on the bus hear this and think maybe there's a flat tire so they um they go and talk to the bus driver and the bus driver eventually um stops and goes to check out the tire and he's like the tire's fine there's there's no flat tire here and then he hears the noise coming from the storage compartment opens it up and and sees Aja and of course she just bolts like a freaking Jack Russell terrier uh with no explanation he's like what the hell um, and, uh, you know, she's, she's desperate cause she realizes time's running out. And, uh, uh, the first group of people she encounters to ask for directions are these two dudes that look rather unsavory. I'll say that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they're, they, they start making some comments about her appearance and they eventually end up giving her the directions, but they don't give her the right directions and the two of them are like arguing back and forth. Um, so she's like, screw this. And, and then <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Some guy shows up, um, wearing a cowboy hat, cowboy outfit on a motorcycle, which it seems so mismatched. Like it's not even like the kind of motorcycle I would imagine somebody wearing a cowboy outfit would wear. It's like, I don't know what kind of motorcycle that was, but it just, it, di- it didn't seem to match his ridiculous outfit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, anyway, so he, so this guy just rolls up and he's like, he's like, hey, pretty lady, I'll take you to the gold dust. <laughs> and again, with that, does everybody talk like this in Texas? No. Really? No. <laughs> well, I, this I is think- what the stereotype is that everybody talks like in I, Texas. I'm seriously surprised that he didn't pull out a gun and start shooting into the air and go hee-haw <laughs> but uh so just when aja thinks that she's out of the woods she finds herself in gridlock and just tells the guy that she's gonna run the rest of the way because she's running out of time um and of course back that at makes no sense yeah like how far is it to the casino i guess it's not, not only that but the dude's in a motor on a motorcycle it doesn't matter if there's gridlock can he just weave in and out I mean, right. If you have a motorcycle, gridlock means nothing. Yeah. And it's Vegas. Nobody's going to worry about it. And the thing, and the thing is, is like, 
okay, maybe uh, that might not be a good thing to do because it's a kid show, but like they've, they've had explosions okay. and attempted death okay. on this show. So don't tell me you can't show somebody weaving in and out of traffic illegally. Well, and think about the messages that we've had in the last, I don't know, 30 seconds of the show. So first, we have learned that someone trapped in a trunk or whatever, like screaming, a woman screaming from a trunk or storage compartment, sounds like a flat tire. Okay, so that's number one. So, like, kids, listen for a flat tire. Don't listen for a woman's voice. Listen for a flat tire sound. Second, she goes and she talks to strangers. Third, she gets in the back of a motorcycle with some dude she's never met before. Like, like just in the last minute. Right. It, it is a bit odd, but I guess, I mean, she's really desperate to get to this concert, right? There, And we, we find out why. I mean, there's a bit of... um. You know, it's 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 going to be fairly serious if if the gem if gem and the holograms don't end up going on. Um, but uh, so she ends up running um, to the Goldust Casino, and um, back at the casino, uh, the gem and the holograms are looking for Aja, and they're starting to get really worried. And Rio asks the misfits the misfits um, if he can check their dressing room. And of course, they're like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And Pizzazz decides to seize the moment and tell Rio, behind closed doors, of course, uh, "What's your hurry? We're gonna win, Rio. I could do great things for you. Dump Gem, and I'll." And then, of course, he cuts her off. But I'm just thinking, God, what was she actually gonna tell him? <laughs> and uh, Rio's I was gonna say a lot of things, a lot of dirty, dirty things that yeah, exactly things that children's ears should not be hearing. But uh, luckily, uh, uh, Rio cuts her off and says, uh, you're not fit to breathe the same air as Jim. And um, <laughs> Pizzazz, of course, throws a temper tantrum. And I'm not even going to pretend to imitate Patricia Albrecht's awesome scream. But when she does that, that really spoiled brat-like scream, it is just so, so delightful. It's perfect. Yeah. And uh, so this this co- concert promoter, uh, Dirk Hayes, um, tells the holograms that if they don't go on, there is a penalty clause in this contract, which you would think they were kind of be aware of before they signed <laughs> it. Um, and uh, and Aja, of course, conveniently um, shows up, much to the relief of the band. And just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time, and of course... Uh, perfect timing to cut to a new music video uh, called Too Close for Comfort. Um, This video is less psychedelic than Deception. I think it it seems more like kind of a straightforward, in many ways, more realistic music video. I, I think the song is a little bit better than Deception. Again, that's a personal opinion. But uh, what do you guys think about it? Well, I, I think that I thought the song was fine, but what was really interesting to me was this is the first moment watching the show that I I actually have a memory of it. So, so oh, that's interesting. We're four episodes in, and this is the first time where I'm like, I remember watching this when I was little. Is that because there was a specific moment that? stood out for you or I don't think so it was just it was just that I don't know that feeling of nostalgia where it's like oh yeah you know and it wasn't like you know this is amazing or anything it was just like yeah I I remember this you know this little bit um I don't remember any of the rest of the episode but that little Mm -hmm. just just a you know like a a one second glance was all it was but I I found it fascinating that it wasn't like you know the the acid trips of previous videos where they're like <laughs> swimming and like in hot air balloons walking on clouds. It's like this rather mundane <laughs> video. Right. Well, maybe that was why. Because it was just maybe. not so crazy that you would easily forget maybe. it. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say about this music video. Uh, I mean, the song's fine. It's not, it's not bad, but definitely not up there with some of the greater songs, I think. Um, you know, in the previous uh, one of the previous episodes, we talked about Twilight in Paris, which I think is a much stronger song than this one. Um, so after the music video, uh, 
we get to see a little bit of plotting and scheming here. Uh, we see Zipper, of course, which is a fairly regular character in the show, uh, which, just to remind the audience, is Eric Raymond's hired goon, who uh, is the one that uh, gets his hands dirty for Eric. And uh, we see uh, Zipper steal the concert money and plant it in Jim's dressing room. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I screwed that up. I skipped the whole entire section. <laughs> uh cut that out okay after the misfits uh, blame Ashley for screwing up their first attempt to uh, get Aja far away from the concert um, Eric calls in and tells the band that there's an impending commotion about to happen and he says that when the police show up um, they're going to search the casino and he basically instructs them to ensure that the police check Jem's room. Uh, without di um, without divulging his plan, he basically tells the misfits just to wait and see what's going to happen. And Ashley um, overhears some of this conversation, and she ends up hiding. And Stormer finds her, and they kind of confide in each other, and Ashley... Uh, says that Pizzazz and Roxy scare her, and Stormer admits, yeah, they scare me too sometimes. And I thought this was a great moment, because this is really the first moment, I think, where we start to see the softer side of Stormer, where she's really the only one in the band that doesn't quite agree with all of the stuff that they do to sabotage Gem and the Holograms. And so sometimes she's a little bit ambivalent, ambivalent, but she doesn't really have the the confidence to speak up. She just wants to kind of fit in with the band. Mm -hmm. Well, the, we see like little teeny tiny glimpses of it in earlier episodes. Um, for instance, one of the things, and this is, I think, the first thing I noticed about Stormer um, when... Um, the Starlight Girls go to Howard Sands and say, please, our house burned down and we need a place for these foster girls to stay. Stormer actually has like a tear that she wipes away and Roxy like nudges her. She's like, quit being a baby. Like she doesn't say anything, but like it's a clear moment of Stormer like having an emotional reaction to a sad story and Roxy being like, toughen up, you're a misfit. I quit it because they're the enemy. Um, so like little tiny bits uh, leading up to this so that it's not, not quite a shock once we get to the point where where Stormer shows that she is, you know, she's the sweet one, um, but she really super wants to fit in with these other two girls, so she's going to go along with it, but, and I like that about her, I like that about Stormer, that mm -hmm. it's always clear that, you know, she's she's going along to get along because she really wants to be with these girls for whatever reason. Yeah, I agree, and I think that's why she was always, I mean, she still is a favorite of mine, uh, but I remember really relating to that aspect of her personality um, when I was a kid, and, you know, she's very much like a lot of girls, especially in, going through high school, where, you know, people tend to get into these cliques, and they want to be cool and popular, and in order for them to kind of, you know, be in that circle of friends, they might need to do whatever that one person says that they should do in the group, that they should not talk to certain people or they should wear these types of clothes or whatever it happens to be. Um, they'll just, they'll just follow somebody. And it's not because they really believe that they should be doing that because it's necessarily the right thing to do, but it's just that they really want to have a certain level of stature in that group and they'll just do it. Um, so I, I like that. I think it, it adds a little bit of realism, um, you know, and keeps keeps those cartoon characters feeling a little more human. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because, you know, so far, like, Jem doesn't have a lot of depth to her. She doesn't. You know, <laughs> there are, there are so many characters that don't have a lot of depth. And then we have, like, this kind of, secondary mm -hmm. character um maybe even i don't know maybe even tertiary at this point sure who kind of has more character development than the main players do. isn't that fascinating 
And it's like even what we see in later episodes too, but I feel like even even Shayna, who gets kind of her own episode where she's, you know, they really focus on her character and, you know, they seem to, they seem to develop, um, more interesting character arcs to these other non-central characters like Stormer or Shayna or even Kimber, um, that we talked about in the last episode. And, you know, I've seen all three seasons of the show and I, I really don't think they're, there's any one clear moment where I really feel like Gemma's grown as a person. Right. Yeah. I think she's just, she's very surface level so far, just very, you know, and I don't anticipate, and I don't anticipate that changing, you know, and I don't know if either of you have had time to read the comic yet, but like, I, I feel that first step issue of the comic They've already established more depth to Jim than I have so far in four episodes of of the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, she. It's. I think it's because so much of Jim's, you know, the things that are supposed to be deep about her are all kind of things that we're told or like happened in the background or have happened in the past. Um just for instance, we never even get to see the thought process that Jerrica puts into, I'm going to create this alternate personality named Jem, and we're going to do this band. Like we never even get to see that conversation. She's like, I have an idea. And then it, they go and they have that idea. Um, so, you know, I, and, and I realized at one point, because I think I was, as all of us have, I have written the script for Jem the movie many times in my head. Of course, they did not option my head version of this movie. But, Jerks. you know, I right? How dare they? But I just remember, like, constructing this whole thing about how, like, originally she had been a singer and she wanted to go to school for vocal performance. But she went to school for music business because her father said that that's what she should do. And she gave up all her dreams. And then when this whole thing came up, she's like, I can live out my dream, blah, blah. But that's not even there. Like I made that up in my head just to explain what is going on with her because we don't, we don't get to see it. We don't get to see a lot of that going on, but we do get to see a lot of what's going on with other people when they make these, these big decisions or they have these character growth moments. So it is interesting that we get to see so much of that from every other character except for Jem and Jerrica. Right. You know, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, very much like in real life, uh, when this is something we touched on in previous episodes, where the, um, you know, person that's kind of in the limelight all the time is usually the singer of a band. And... Um, Growing up, I I always found that I paid attention to the other people in the band, um, because I partially because they got far less attention, but I also found other people to be more interesting than this person that um, is kind of front and center, and we don't you don't really get to learn a lot about their their personality or who they are as a person. And they always seem, um, and it may just because they, they kind of, they kind of have this, you know, this built up persona about who maybe they want to project as a person to their audience. But I always felt like they, they seem so fake to me. And that's what Jem feels like from my perspective. She's not, she doesn't have a lot of depth. So the other members in the band are inherently more interesting to me, and and there's evidence that they're more interesting because they in the show they seem to develop these backstories and these character arcs, and Jem just kind of feels flat. Like stuff happens to her, and she like she'll either learn her lesson from it or not, and but there's not much more going on um, other than that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, some people don't have a lot of depth to them. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's okay for TV. It seems kind of weird to me. But. Well, that, that <laughs> might be true to, to some degree, for sure. But it's it's very unbelievable to me that that even those kind of people would not have some kind of 
growth in their in their lifetime, um, especially with an ongoing series. And it's I find it very difficult to relate to those characters on a emotional level because I've known people in my life that seem like one dimensional flat characters in a story, but, but you know, stuff happens to them in their lives and they, they do develop and grow in some way, right? Just they need, you know, and in a show like this, they have, you have to show some level of growth, I think. Otherwise it's just flat and uninteresting. And to me, it's not a good excuse to say, well, it's just a kid's show. Kids can't tell the difference. I don't think that's a good enough ex- excuse to um, to get lazy on the writing. You know, I think it, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that because Jem is the, the focal point of the show, she is the aspirational character. She is the, the moral good person. And therefore, Jem is done. Like, she is, she's a fully realized, complete woman allegedly um and and <laughs> allegedly because i feel like that that may have something to do with it because you you know once you get to the the end like once these episodes start being just like singular episodes and whatnot you get to the end it's usually gem being like you know see the i knew this lesson but i'm i'm telling you and this is what we learned today is that you have to be kind to people and and let let them help you and don't do drugs and, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you are or aren't supposed to do. Jem already knows these things and she's there to tell you. Um, so I think that I feel like that has a lot to do with it. Cause like the things that Jem struggles with, she just continually struggles with like Jerrica continually struggles with being jealous of her other half. Jerrica continually struggles with being the responsible one when she wants to have fun, but she's got to hold it together because nobody else will. So. And I feel that like, to me, Jem is, you know, as a woman, I, I don't think she's the strongest female character in comparison to some of the other characters in the band. Cause there are episodes later on in the series too, where um, some of the men actually like are kind of, they're just, they're, they they're, they are sexist, not in a, I, I think, overly obnoxious way, but they're just kind of, I don't know what the right expression is for that, where someone's kind of just not passively sexist. Um, Insidiously. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm looking for the, the term casually sexist. So some of the men are casually sexist, and I remember some of the other people in the holograms standing up uh, for themselves, but Jem, I don't remember Jem really doing anything like that in the series. We, we, this is a topic I'd like to come back to for sure uh, in, yeah. in later episodes when this kind of stuff happens. But let's let's circle back uh, to the show. Um, so now we're at um, now we're back at Starlight Music, and uh, we see the Misfits complaining to Eric Raymond that his previous harebrained schemes haven't worked. And so he suggests a new idea that will finally ruin Jem. He posits that, like Pizzazz, perhaps Jem is just a stage name. And, of course, Eric decides to take the opportunity to, uh, you know, dig his own grave and mention Pizzazz's real name, Phyllis. And, of course, again, (laughs) she has a freaking temper tantrum and just flips out. Um, so Eric's plan is that he has hired a private detective named Malone of all people. Malone? (laughs) Really? Malone? It's only been used a thousand times before. Right. Uh, and so the plan is that the private eye is going to follow Jim around and uh, hopefully uncover some kind of information that will give them a clue or divulge her real identity. Um, and uh, starting, uh, I guess, starting with the Countess de Vossant's fashion show, they've got something planned. And it cuts to the final and third music act 
of this episode, which uh, is not a Misfit song. So far, we've only had Gem and the Holograms, and the song is Truly Outrageous. What an original title. We've never heard the lyrics in this song before. Ever. Right? <laughs> so look, I love Truly Outrageous. It is it's one catchy. of my favorite songs. It's a catchy I'll song. give you that. It has like that, that weird bass line in it. Right. Or it's not even a bass line. It's like it's a, it's a funky guitar riff sure. that is in this song. Of course, yeah. it is also a ridiculous song because they just repeat, it's truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> it's truly, truly outrageous. Like over and over and over again. And I remember listening to the commentary track where Christy Marks was explaining why so many of the songs that occur in these first five episodes do that. Mm-hmm. And it's because when it was originally one movie, those songs were shorter. Oh. They had to lengthen the songs when they cut them into different episodes. Which makes so them that's awkward. Why, <laughs> yeah, it makes it really awkward because like Truly Outrageous was, I think, maybe you know, a minute long or something. However, because they're only, they're usually like less than two minutes long most mm-hmm. of the time. But however long it is, it was about half as long in its original iteration. And instead of just writing new lyrics and music, they just repeated things <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. So even though I love Truly Outrageous, I'm always, I sometimes sit there and I'm like, you've said that 17 times now. Mm-hmm. I It is very repetitive. I am going to go out on a limb and say that this is the best song in this episode. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But the, I love how at the end there's like that, that moment where, because Jem is singing the song partially like to Rio and... Rio is like sort of he has this glower on his face and the countess is looking at him and she's like, What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really weird moment. Right. Oh wait a second, I because I'm I'm already forgetting. What what does Jem think she is again in this music video? Something truly I don't truly know. great? It's, is it it's, truly it's great? It's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, so um, what else about the music video? It's not... Uh, you guys are going to have to help me remember here because I, I, I don't remember it being as kind of crazy as Deception. No, you, 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 it's you, more like... It's, it's more sort of realistic what's going on mm-hmm. in this video. Like, it's just... Although... But this is not the one with the rainbows and the and the horse. Mm. No, that's no. that's like a dream. Okay. <laughs> rainbows and horses—they always go well together. <laughs> I'm amazed at how horses can traverse a rainbow with a blob. <laughs> it's amazing. The horses are magical. Yeah. Just like yeah. Gem. Gem is pretty magical. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So uh, so after the song, uh, the Misfits decide to sabotage the show, wait for it, by setting the sprinkler system off. Yeah, <laughs> that'll show them. And that- I love, so they bring the, like a spotlight over and put it up near the sprinkler so that the heat will trigger everything. And just like everybody takes off running because the sprinklers are on. First of all, those big spotlights do generate a lot of heat, but I'm sorry, they they wouldn't be able Not to do that. Not as much as a fire. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous. Moving along. Yeah, it's just after after leaving the show, the holograms head back to Synergy at the secret drive-in, and Malone follows them and discovers the faux holographic entrance, which. We've talked about before about how how stupid that is. <laughs> but anyway, Synergy has no defense system. He manages to get in and she just keeps repeating intruder, intruder, intruder and the episode ends. Well, isn't that all the defense you need? Like you just <laughs> point it out and people self-correct. Right. No. I feel like no. there should have been some weapons. Synergy should have had some weapons. Now, I'm pretty sure Malone, he didn't really, he had an axe that couldn't really 
pinpoint what the accent was. It seemed like a weird amalgamation of, I don't know, what a stereotypical kind of New York private eye in 1930s would sound like with like a weird somehow Texan sort of influence. <laughs> I don't know. It all goes back to Texas. And I'm pretty sure he said something like, shut up, I'm going to smash you to smithereens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, it's just stereotypical private eye speak. <laughs> well, what a cliffhanger to end on, eh? I know. What happens to Synergy? I don't, know. I don't know. Well, she's certainly damaged. She's going to be heavily damaged. Both mentally and physically. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was going to be really mean and be like, just like Jim. And then I was like, that's yeah. not appropriate. And I just told <laughs> you, so I don't know. So overall, I mean, definitely not a boring episode. Uh, some weak music videos, but, you know, another enjoyable episode, I guess. I think this was the best one so far. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it had... I don't know. It was... I don't know. I feel like it. either I'm getting used to it or it had kind of more <laughs> of a of a plot mm -hmm. than... You're, get, you're getting desensitized to the craziness. Okay. <laughs> I see what's happening. <laughs> well, I mean... There's a lot that went on in this episode, yeah. though. Like, there are many, many conflicts Absolutely. that were quickly resolved in this episode. But I feel like it, like things are sort of steamrolling, you know, yeah. and gathering steam as they roll down the hill or whatever. I mean, mix our metaphors. Uh, I mean, I, but, I had some problems early on, like I said. Um, you know, the pacing at the very, very beginning, kind of like, you know, going from being back at Jem's home to suddenly being in Vegas. Um I'll, I'll, but I'll give it a pass because we've got 20, what, 21, 22 episodes to do a show. And this is one episode in a, in a, what, a five part miniseries. So they kind of really had to make compromises to try to fit all these different, you know, plots and, um, uh, you know, issues between these different characters in the show and try to, I guess, partially resolve some of the conflicts and still have something that kind of ends on a high note. The misfits suggest to the police that they search Jem's room, which to me seems kind of suspicious. Uh, and, uh, and then Jem is arrested and taken away in handcuffs, which is pretty embarrassing for her. Uh, but how could Jem rob the casino while she was on stage performing? Isn't that interesting? What kind of police force do we have that they're like, oh, we found some bags of money in your room. We don't need any other evidence because we got an anonymous tip. <laughs> right. That's, really? what, that's what counts. Also, I Zipper, I feel like Zipper is not smart enough to pull off a Vegas heist. Because even though they didn't have to get the money out of the casino, even in the 80s, it was really well, hard to rob a casino. We've already yeah, established that Zipper is not a smart guy. <laughs> sticking, sticking, sticking bombs under couch cushions. Come on, come on. He did it well. <laughs> but yeah, this was, I don't believe that Zipper is smart enough, right? To have even no, I agree. Part of the I agree. Um, but Ashley does come to the rescue and, you know, for what it's worth, testifies that she overheard the misfits plotting to plant the money and make Jim take the fall for it. Um, you know, and of course, the misfits uh, rebuttal is that Ashley can't be more than 12 and, you know, she lives with them. Uh, she'd say anything. That's a very fair point. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some bias there. Uh, and then, of course, suddenly, a cloaked woman shows up to save Jim <laughs> and says that she can prove that Jim is innocent, and she talks like this, and she's got a mask, and she sounds kind of like Stormer. She's blue hair. So, the, <laughs> so my favorite thing, <laughs> yeah, though, the, the hair sticking when out. She shows up. She shows up, and she says, "You know, I I have proof." That Jem is innocent. 
but I can only tell you in private. And then the detective says something like, please step in this room, mysterious cloaked woman. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... And they don't, they don't show the conversation. And I can only assume that she must have revealed her identity and confessed about it. Because otherwise, how would they believe that? Because when the, when the officer comes out, she's like, Jem's free to go. And then the handcuffs come off. So it's like, okay. Um, okay, that was a very convincing argument, whatever it is that she said. Right. And then you never and, see and, her again. And, right. And we're, and we're back to, like, the powers of observation of these characters are just not that great. Like, yeah. Who was that mysteriously cloaked woman who said something that could exonerate Jim? Right. Stormer. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I will say I, you know, I have a, have a friend who, um, dresses in, you know, baggy shorts and plaid shirts and, um, one Halloween for, for whatever reason, she decided she was going to dress up as a woman. And I, I honestly didn't recognize her until she talked to me. So like, I can kind of see you know, just not, not having, you know, you've got your mental image of someone and sometimes that doesn't match and you're like, oh my gosh, but I don't know. Like, I just feel like something's missing here. Hmm. Stormer. This isn't the first time that she's dressed up. I mean, we haven't seen this yet, but later episodes, she does stuff like this, I think. Why don't we jump into some trivia? Uh, so not a lot uh, to talk about in this episode, but just two points I wanted to bring up. So this is now the second time that there are no Misfits songs in an episode of Gem, which is interesting. I'm not sure if there's a reason for that. But, um, and the other, the other thing um, that I found interesting was that Eric reveals... Pizzazz's real name for the first time, and it's Phyllis. Now, he doesn't say, I don't think he says her last name. It's just Phyllis, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But we, we do get a little bit of a backstory for her character in much later seasons, which should be interesting. Are there any other things you two wanted to point out about this episode? I didn't notice any glaring animation mistakes like I did in episode three, which some of them were pretty bad. Um, yeah, I mean, there are, my first note on here is literally there is like no quality control. Um, because <laughs> clear, you know, like, <laughs> like the like was in there. Um, so, you know, I'm watching and in people's lipstick color changes, <laughs> like, okay. You know, it's it's orange here, and then literally a second later, it's red, and then it's orange again, and then it's red again. And, you know, I, I, but I kind of think it's one of those things where it's like, I'm becoming desensitized to that, too, because it's just like, oh, yeah, this is this is gem. This is what the show is right now. So that just gave me the craziest idea that somebody should invent a lipstick that changes color in the sunlight. I think that exists. Yeah, it, to go it, from like yeah. orange or red or something like that. That yeah, would be cool. It, I I feel like that exists. Or it did at some point. Yeah, the 80s. In probably. 1984. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On Kimber. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap there. Aleem, where can people find you? Please plug away. Plug away. All right. Well, if you want to find like my personal musings, I'm at Aline on Twitter. That's A-L-E-E-N. I also have a podcast where I talk to uh, marginalized people in geeky spaces about their cool projects. And that's less than or equal, which you can find at less than or equal.com or on Twitter at less than or equal. Great. And Tempest? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is tiny tempest. Um, and if you want to hear me give my thoughts on things other than Gem and the Holograms, I have a new web series on YouTube called The Tempest Challenge, where basically every week I talk about a really awesome book that I love that you should read. Um, so you can go to challenge 
heytempestbradford.com um, to find out more about the challenge and to get the playlist of the videos. Is there any way that you can change your show format to just talk about Jim? Uh, only if I could get my hand on all the old Jim books that they used to have, but I can't find any of them. Because mm-hmm. I have this crazy hair brain idea to kind of convince half of the internet to only talk about Jim and the holograms, and soon <laughs> we shall take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least be able to generate enough interest in the show again that we can have a rebooted cartoon, which will probably happen anyway if this movie is even marginally successful, which I suspect it will at the very least break even. Eh. We'll see. Or it'll break something. If it's good, I'll go. I hope it doesn't break our hearts. (laughs) I know. I will cry. I will weep. Giant buckets. It'll be okay. Thank you. I'll be okay. I, f- I feel better now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for now. I'll see you at episode five. Let the madness continue. 